What's up, geeks? Happy Tuesday to you. I'm your host, Ron Stevens, and you're listening to Extremely Geeked Out Podcast. Let's put a smile on that face. guys um welcome to extremely geeked out podcast and today i have a very special guest host of a sound appeal podcast hunter ferris hey how you doing pretty good man pretty good so um you come to our show to talk about marvel movie uh, movie soundtracks or theme songs to marvel movies correct yeah and this is how how awesome they how that makes you how it makes it makes you feel just uh, the experience of them right and uh and when you told when you came up to me about this I was like yeah I got to have this on the show because you know <laughs> it, like I said I just I like humming I like hum the Avengers song like every now and then at work you know just to make time go by as I'm working um but it's it's definitely now when you mentioned it it does have a uh, certain effect to you when watching these movies. Now I'm curious, what effect does it have on you? What effect does it have on Ron Stevens? On me, it has certain effects. To me, it has where it just it sets the mood to who the atmosphere yeah. of the movie. Totally. I mean, I'm actually speaking about this at Comic Con a little while from now. The movie's tone when it comes to the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, sorry it's... for uh, flipping the script. This is. Sorry. No, 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 no. I you... always get interested in what happens to other people with this. Oh yeah, no, yeah, because it, it, it's like I said, because I have this certain three factor when I'm watching like a, a Marvel movie or any superhero movie, rather. It's just you know, of course, it's story plot. Just what what the story is going to be about, and two is character presentation. Is basically how who's playing the character, how are they going to look on the on the screen. And three, of course, theme song. It needs something, like I said, it needs atmosphere. It needs uh, a pizzazz to actually to get the audience more involved in what was going on in this, on the screen. I love that you're describing this as atmosphere and audience get involved because I'll go about the Avengers theme and you hung at work. Have you ever hummed any uh, other theme from an any other themes? I've yeah. I... I've hummed Guardians of the Galaxy a bunch of times. I've actually hummed the new um, Marvel Studios intro song a lot lately. Um, especially start soon as it's like I guess it was like the last five moves they've done so far. They have put it on there. I've been humming it ever since. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah, like that, there's one or two of the last. Seven. Yeah, that's that's genuinely impressive. Oh yeah, and soundtrack fans, it's like. Because they're really difficult to recognize. Yeah. Like, you listen to the Thor Ragnarok theme, you, you listen to the track titled Thor Ragnarok main theme, or or at least the videos on YouTube that are titled main theme, and you don't know what main theme is, because the instruments are just so busy, you've got everything going on, and in others of them, you watch the entire movie theme, and you didn't even notice. Mm-mm. No, yeah, it's, uh, it's, oh man, how should I put it? Um, Going back for, like, um, Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, and comparing it yeah. to yeah, comparing it to 
to Spider-Man Homecoming, they're totally different. And it's almost... Hmm, I, I'm, I watch, when I'm watching Spider-Man, watch Spider-Man Homecoming, I don't feel like I'm actually, per se, watching an actual superhero movie. And it's somewhat, I guess, it's kind of how... I guess how modern movies or modern superhero movies are kind of like blending with it's kind of like a a mixture. Yeah, you're getting a superhero movie, but you're also getting a like a chaser movie or a road trip type movie along with the super movie, like how Thor and Ragnarok was. But yeah, but how go going, ahead, go ahead. Yeah, but going back to um Going back to like Spider Man, the Tom McGuire Spider Man, this is just a full on superhero movie. So that you get that not only because of the story, but also because of the the song, the theme song. Just it's it's just icing on the cake, you know, with um what you got there. So yeah, the the two thousand two Spider Man theme makes the movie feel like a traditional superhero movie. There's a good reason that that happens. Between the year 2000 and 2008, there were 32 superhero movies released that had a box office of at least 50 million. Hmm. So I'm cutting off the ones that were so that that were so limited in their release that nobody cared. I'm cutting off the ones that are direct to video. I'm cutting off the ones that are television that that were made for television. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking that people would have actually cared about at least 50 million dollars. Wow. Okay. So. Because that, that, that's still pretty low for a big-budget movie, but, like, some of them got $16 million box office total, and I felt so bad for them. <laughs> um, by the way, random point here. 2017 had four superhero movies. 2018 had four super, has four superhero movies. 2000 to 2008 had an average of about four superhero movies a year. Hmm. This is crazy. We, we don't have a superhero bubble. Superhero movies aren't getting more common; they're getting bigger. Yeah. Because yeah. back then I had to put on a cutoff of fifty million. Now I would have to put on a cutoff of like five hundred million if at it didn't least, make five. At least, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I don't. Think, anyway. Yeah. Sorry. I, go ahead. No, no. It's, it's I've never seen nowadays. Now, there's no such thing of a superhero. Not like you said. It's not even cutting no less than a hundred million or. On the yeah. box office and this, and this whole time run being in theaters, which is just—I mean, now we're comic books and comic book related stuff is just on a fad right now. So everybody's going, which, is out for the next best thing. So, which Ron Stevens must certainly be happy about. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> so we have 32 superhero movies between 2000 and 2008. Now this is before the MCU began. I cut it off at May 2nd, 2008, the day that Iron Man 1 was released. Okay. So we're only talking about MCU superhero movies uh, but after 2000, so between X-Men and Iron Man. Okay. Weird thing. Two of them I couldn't find the main theme. Those were Son of the Mask and My Super Ex-Girlfriend. Hmm. No. Out of the 30, 15 of them, precisely 50%, used a very, very, very similar main theme. And then you listen to the MCU theme, and it's like the same theme. 
It's a theme that's designed to sound like X-Men and The Incredibles and Spider-Man instead of designed to sound like Superman and Batman and every other hero from yeah. before. Because, like, what was it? I think it was when I was listening to your episode, it was, uh, I think he was showing an example. Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok are, like, identical. They still had that yeah. same, they had that same type melody to it, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's uh, how about that? Yeah, it sound like. I mean, not saying there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine, I guess, just to have that because they're part of that same universe, so that kind of it kind of works for that. Yeah, and then like Spider-Man: Homecoming has a super similar main theme. By the way, if you ever watched the Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl mm-hmm. from like almost twenty years ago. Maybe about 15 years ago. Oh my it God. has a scene. I can't believe it's been sim- that long. But... <laughs> of course, I was watching this movie in theaters when I was, well, a kid. So right, yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the main theme from Shark Boy and Lava Girl and the main theme from Spider Man Homecoming, they are eerily similar. It's almost like they put in temp music of Shark Boy and Lava Girl and said, Jaquino, do something like this. But I doubt they did that. <laughs> nah, I, I, mean, I will hope not. Yeah, but. <laughs> But, of course, I mean, everyone has, I mean, someone, you know, everyone, you know, rubs off with somebody, of course. I mean, you get, you learn from something, so, of course. But, uh, it's, uh, it's it's very interesting how they did that, how they made things, like, like you said, just so similar to each other, just to make it seem part of one or the other. It's it's yeah, yeah, yeah. like how their their movies no it's some it's like how the movies are of course connected one another so why not have the music also kind of flow or connect with one another as well. Mm-hmm. To get a little more specific about it, um, oh go ahead. I'm trying to remember the exact numbers. I want to say eleven of the twenty MCU films that have come out so far mm-hmm. have used this specific type of main theme. That main theme follows three rules. One. It's on a, it's in minor, which is really weird. Cause like you hear superhero and you expect Superman, you expect bum ba dum, yeah. which is like the most major song of all time. Of course, of course. <laughs> and then like half the MCU movies, the theme is in minor. Yeah. On top of that, instead of being big, bombastic, huge intervals, slow, these these MCU themes have um focus on notes one three and five of a minor scale and they have really 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 simple rhythms like the avengers theme mm-hmm. that rhythm is like as simple as twinkle twinkle little star it's <laughs> yeah. one of those simple rhythms you've ever heard in your life <laughs> i'm not talking about the one that goes bum bum ba da 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 i'm talking about the one that's um bum 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 that's a super simple rhythm. It really is. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Honestly, all of them are pretty darn simple on their rhythms. It's not really that hard. It's nothing too too difficult. I mean, uh, 1989, 1989's Batman's pretty simple, pretty easy to remember. Um, Jurassic Park, um, also a simple one. Star Wars. Very, I I mean, it, it, as soon as I say Star Wars, I, I mean automatically you're you're, you're humming, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> Am I the only person?
person who finds it weird that when we start talking about soundtrack themes that are memorable, we immediately go to John Williams. Because you gotta like, look he, at what he's done already. Because like he's yeah. he's done Star Wars, he's done Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones Jaws, um, Jurassic Park, Jaws, Jurassic Park, E.T. E. Yes, there's some memorable themes of all time. Mm-hmm. It makes me wonder. Well, then, what happened? <laughs> Stop having memorable theme. <laughs> Is because honestly. Captain America First Avengers, if you told me to hum it, I wouldn't have known it right off bat. I mean, because I, I, I kind of know it now because of I've listened to other covers, like how most people on YouTube um, usually do um, covers from Marvel theme songs or, or shows or stuff like that. I remember them that way because it's brought to me in a different in a different way with like with a guitar you know or whatever they're using for the instrument to play that theme song um but um i really it's not that captain america first avengers to me is not that memorable uh thor's first movie didn't really stick to me but the second one did for a little bit um what's another one um i didn't really catch on to um, Doctor Strange right off bat either, yeah. T- until like my second time wa- um, watching it, and then I was like, oh okay. And then it started clicking. And it stuck in my head after you know the second or third watch. But speaking of which, when Doctor Strange came out, people were posting on soundtrack Twitter about how Doctor Strange has a memorable theme, and they were all so happy that the MCU had a memorable theme. And I go see the movie, and I'm thinking, I didn't know there was a theme. <laughs> I'm not kidding. The first it's, time I finished watching that movie, I thought, I didn't even know there was one the second time I went in. I yeah, thought, the, okay, I catch yeah, it now. Yeah, it didn't catch to you at your first go. And sometimes it's not because they're not really playing it over and over throughout the song, uh, throughout the film. Like, you may have heard, like, Avengers, you heard it or a certain side of that of that theme song throughout the movie. So it stuck to you. Yeah. You heard it beginning the show, beginning the movie. You heard it somewhere in the middle, and then of course, the the end credit scenes. You you got the full you got the full song. So of course you you heard it. It's gonna stick to you. To Thor, you didn't hear the theme song until the end of the end of the movie. There was nothing really that the music didn't really stick to you until you heard the theme song at the end of the movie. So. That's not enough time, really, for anybody to really memorize that song. So this is kind of weird here. Hmm. So in 2016, the YouTuber Every Frame of Painting put out a video essay titled The Marvel Symphonic Universe. It was his most viewed video essay. It was their last video essay. And it was, man, this thing changed the conversation around film music. This is when remembering MCU themes became a, a... a big thing for soundtrack fans because this entire video was saying we can't remember MCU themes because this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And so people would start bragging, I can remember it. Or like this video got five separate video responses saying this is why we can't remember the MCU themes. And this video got 15,000 comments. Yeah. Yeah. All it's... about why we can't remember these themes. Nope. And sometimes, and that's not necessarily saying that's a bad thing, it's because. 
most times you don't really remember it, it's probably because there's so much going on in the movie that it plays over the music. That was one of the things that every frame of painting brought up. There's really? a, there's a scene in Captain America, the winter soldier where Bucky is no, sorry, where cap is walking through that museum about himself. And I'm like, that's the most narcissistic thing I've ever seen in my life. And you know what? That's the time I remembered. That's when I realized, Oh, that's the song from the first movie. And I was and at that point, I didn't mean this. I didn't know until then. I was like, "Oh wait, is that?" And you know, going back to watch the first, um, the first Avenger, I was like, "Oh, that's the song they played when Steve Rogers was walking through the mu- museum. That's the theme song." Ah, yeah, it's starting to come together now. Uh-huh. But the thing is, I probably wouldn't have known that had I just gone back and watched. You know, I just went back and watched um, the first Avengers. Or, excuse me, first um, Avenger, um, Captain America. Captain America. And, yeah, and, um, yeah, but it's, it's just that moment right there, I, it's, I just not know, okay, that was the first theme song of the first Captain America movie. And it's, yeah, it's just that they're not, I mean, like I said, it's not a bad thing. You're not really remembering it, per se. It's just because what's going on in the movies is way bigger than what the theme song is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the Cap One theme, now that you've noticed that, here's here's a little thing for you to look for next time. Okay. Next time you're watching the Avengers, mm-hmm. the, the Avengers, the first one, the the 2012 one where they started crossing over everything. Okay. Alan Silvestri scored the Avengers. Alan Silvestri scored Cap One. Hmm. Every time Cap does anything adventurous on screen in that movie, so like when he's jumping from one thing to another thing. They play a demented, twisted version of the Captain America theme. Hmm. I didn't notice this until I went through the entire MCU looking explicitly for the themes. That's all I wanted to hear. And so I found, like, there's a Whiplash theme in Iron Man 1. Iron Man 2, sorry. There's a Vulture theme in Spider-Man Homecoming. Cap gets this twisted, demented version of his own theme. Um, the Black Panther theme is a major version of the Captain America Civil War theme. Or at least parts of it are. So, like, it's almost like Ludwig Gorenson is trying to say that Civil War in Black Panther's eyes was really just a bad day. <laughs> as, as much as I love Black Panther, I didn't, the theme song didn't really catch on to me right off the bat. I mean, not so, not the orchestrated theme song. I know some of the, the music during the, mu- the movie was pretty catchy, and that stuck with me. But as far as, like, the theme song in Black Panther itself that's supposed to stand out and be you know supposed to represent the movie itself it didn't really stick to me all too much but yeah black panther the theme is so much easier to remember after you listen to take on me by aha hmm. it's the same tune really okay. yeah I, the man. black panther theme is the black panther theme is bum 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 Hmm. it's take on me (laughs) it is (laughs) sorry for ruining that for you also by the way no you didn't ruin it for me but that's it just never connected me like that that would have been it (laughs) speaking of which Black Panther theme it's in major it focuses on notes 1 and 5 and kind of note 3 and it has kind of a simple rhythm, but it's not that MCU superhero theme. 
it's not the type of theme they usually use. I mentioned that theme is used in 11 of their 20 movies. It's used in Iron Man 1, where they have a minor theme that focuses on notes 1, 3, and 5 and has a simple rhythm. Okay. It's used in The Avengers. It's used in Iron Man 3, Thor The Dark World, Guardians 1. It's, it's also the new Avengers theme. This type of theme is used as the new Avengers theme in Age of Ultron when, when they have a new Avengers group assembled with Scarlet Witch and Vision, etc. Um, it's used in Captain America Civil War, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Guardians 2, and Infinity War. Some of those are cheating. Guardians 2 and Guardians 1 use the same theme. Avengers well, Infinity yeah. War and Avengers use the same theme. But it's still used in those movies, and that's kind of important. Mm-hmm. Because Guardians 1 isn't a superhero movie. No, it's not. It's more of a, um, I guess you say, like type of a family-type movie. Um, the director said that what he was trying to make was a space opera. Okay. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. And then, like, you watch Star Trek Beyond. If you watch Star Trek Beyond before watching Guardians of the Galaxy, you realize that Guardians of the Galaxy 1 is just Star Trek Beyond in space. Yeah. <laughs> That's a terrible way of putting it, because Star Trek Beyond is in space, and because Star Trek Beyond comes after came out afterward, but, like, it's just a typical space opera action movie. It is. It doesn't have superheroes. And I noted, and also I did notice, when I was playing, um trying to make a comparison to the Ragnarok theme song in Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange sounds a lot like Star Trek's theme song. I'm going to guess that's because Michael Giacchino scored both. Did he? Yeah. Okay. Because he scored a lot of other stuff and did great jobs. He scored Coco and Up and Inside Out and Rogue One. And he's he's a musical chameleon. He can do whatever he needs. He could, I feel yeah. like it was kind of intentional for him to make Doctor Strange feel like Star Trek a little bit. Not sure why yet. That's <laughs> one that I want to figure out. <laughs> I just noticed just the the first part going like da, 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 da. And I was like, wait, that's Star Trek. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's Star Trek. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and going back to um, about what I was saying about how movies, uh, superhero movies now are kind of a blend. Dark Knight, when it first mm-hmm. came out, mm-hmm. didn't really feel like a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm, it was more. Seriously, of, I totally agree. It didn't feel like a superhero movie. Granted, you had a superhero in there, of course, but I think. Dark Knight was like the blueprint of how superhero movies are played now. I agree. I feel that. Sometimes people do it really wrong, like Fantastic or Power Rangers 2017, but sometimes they do it really right. Yeah. 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 Because it's, it's, and, and again, not necessarily a bad thing, but some movies aren't really meant for it to be a, a blend. It's just, the story is meant to be that, and just let it be. You know, let it do its own thing. But um, yeah, um, yeah. I just feel like that's that's the that's the blueprint of what we get we're getting now. Because I can probably tell you, 
hey, you know Dark Knight theme song, and of course you start singing it, start humming it right then and there because you know because it, it was so memorable because it played. Of course, they played the theme song or that that type of um, I guess the theme. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the whole theme throughout the whole the whole movie. Repetition like, is definitely one of those things that makes a song memorable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The tricky part is how do you remember something? When you have 11 themes that are exactly the same. <laughs> okay, nine themes technically because Guardians 2 and Infinity War don't use new, don't really use new superhero themes. But, like, you've got nine themes that are so similar. It's almost like if I gave you nine different, nine different shades of purple and then took all of them away, gave you one of them, and said, which one was this? <laughs> That's 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 perfect. <laughs> that's that's exactly what what we're getting in some of these movies in Marvel where they're not really like like I said, it's not, they're not really all that memorable because you're only getting maybe one or two moments of the theme song in the whole entire movie. That that's yeah. The, mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, got a cool thing here. Okay, I'm actually speaking about this at Comic Con and like three weeks um the re i'm gonna take a guess here's my fan theory Mm. about why they use such similar themes we were talking about how this theme kind of ties the movies together and makes dr strange feel more like a superhero movie and makes guardians one feel like a superhero movie makes them all feel like they're in the same universe Mm. it's because they're playing on an association that we built for two decades Mm. almost two Remember when I said that 2000 to 2008 had 15 superhero movies that used this type of main theme? Mm-hmm. The MCU plays on that association that we've developed over eight years and then keeps going and uses it in their most superhero of superhero movies until eventually it can trust us and say, okay, you get it. This theme means superhero. Let's have some fun now. Let's put it in Thor's Dark World, which acts more like an, a two-hour episode of Doctor Who than it does like a superhero movie. Let's yeah. put it in Iron Man 3, which is honestly – I'm going to be a little controversial here. If Iron Man 3 had not been titled Iron Man 3, it would have been a better movie. Yeah, because it, they had made it did not feel like an Iron Man movie at all. In <laughs> a Shane Black movie, it felt like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or Lethal Weapon or Die Hard. I know, you know I know just, Shane Black. It was he heavily inspired Die Hard. Yeah. It was a uh, a uh, weekend with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> that was basically basically what it was. Um, but more than that, it's Robert Downey Jr.'s character acts complete acts completely differently there. So. After we watched it, my girlfriend and I were trying to think, what would this movie have been if it weren't in the MCU? We were trying to think, what would the plot have been? The Mechanic, starring Bruce Willis, directed by Shane Black. A standalone (laughs) movie with exactly the same plot as Iron Man 3. We realized, oh my gosh, that would have been a great movie. I would have loved that movie. (laughs) The, The bad part, most of the bad parts about Iron Man 3 are the fact that it's in the MCU, but doesn't act like it. It doesn't, and it's like, it don't really connect with any of the other movies at all yeah they don't like me and and Devin talked about this in previous episodes on how like basically we were trying to compare which phases of the MCU that we like the most and we both 
agreed on the first phase. We love the first phase because how all the movies, yeah, how all the movies really connected to the Avengers because the Avengers were supposed to be like the season finale of the yeah, phase. Yeah, it was. Every movie had this driving force toward Avengers One. Yeah, exactly, and all of them, all every movie was leading up to that to that one movie. Granted, they didn't really plan for all the other movies. They were just trying to go for what they had for Phase 1 and to see what we got from there. I get that. But then you have Phase 2, where pretty much it's basically all the vendors are just doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. But... It feels like there's nothing that they're leading toward. Exactly. And then you have Age of Ultron, which really wasn't really an age of him. It was just a few days <laughs> dealing with him really <laughs> just you know a weekend with Ultron basically it wasn't really a whole entire if I think if they were leading up to it to be age like age Ultron he should have been the main factor throughout all these movies in phase 2 which was Iron Man 3 Thor the Dark World Captain America um, Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy granted Guardians of the Galaxy is doing its own thing it was, it's out in space. But that's the only one that has an excuse for not really connecting to what Age of Ultron was all about. I it, feel like the entirety of Phase 2, sorry, half of Phase 2, is trying to answer the question, what happens after the Avengers? And the rest of Phase 2 is building up Civil War. Okay. Alright, yeah. I didn't say it that way, but yeah, okay. Because it does. I don't like that. No, like, no. Because, okay. yeah, I understand. No, but it's this. Yeah, but that's cool because how really, – yeah, because when Phase 3 starts, you have Captain America Civil War, and that's basically the aftermath of Age of Ultron. And, and, and of Ultron and of Ant-Man. Yes, that too. Yeah, yeah. And it's basically Avengers Age of Ultron 2.5. It's – it's yeah, it's Avengers 2.5. Even Honest Trailers called it Avengers 2.5. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we – I mean, granted, me and Devin loved Winter Soldier. That was like probably the best movie out that whole entire phase. Um, after that, probably um, it would probably be Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I wasn't sure whether it would be Guardians or Ant Man. Hmm. It was say, gonna be two, but I wasn't sure which one you're gonna say. I'm gonna. I liked. It. I was surprised by Ant Man because I wasn't sure how this was gonna go using um, Scott Lang instead of Hank Pym as Ant-Man and it just made Ant-Man just or Hank Pym old like he already was Ant-Man but he's retired or whatever and you have that no but it turned out great it it, it, it turned mm -hmm. out I was surprised by that but I would say I, I would say Ant-Man yeah I would say Winter Soldier Guardians um Guardians Ant-Man Thor the Dark World I'm gonna take a guess here huh Ooh. Okay, cool. Yeah, so Thor the Dark World. Take oh, yeah, yeah. Thor the Dark World, Age of Ultron, Iron Man 3. And Age of Ultron and Iron Man 3 are kind of tied as the worst movies at the whole entire phase. But Ouch! Yeah, yeah. It. My problem with Age of Ultron was that they had way too much going on. Like, yeah. It was way too much happening... For you know, for users to keep up what you know what was happening, because you had 
of course, Age of Ultron, he's here. He's wreaking havoc. Then Thor, he's out doing his thing, trying to figure out what that stone is. Um, and then the Avengers are trying to basically just keep each other from tearing each other apart. And it's 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 all over the place <laughs> for you really to... Joss Whedon, the director of Age of Ultron. I don't yes. know if any of your listeners need to hear that he's the director. Anyway, he said that he got that he got on set and he was trying to make a sci-fi horror movie. And then about a weekend, he realized, no, wait, this is a Western. And then about two weeks later, he realized, nope, this is a romance. And then about two weeks later, it's a war movie. And he <laughs> didn't really know where he was trying to go here. It's just such a convoluted movie. It is. It's a solution. It is all over the place. And, you know, they try to blame it on, you know, the studio being so controlling and stuff like that. I mean, okay. Marvel Studios, by far to me, are the most, like, plan-oriented, like, production there is in film production. Yeah. They know what they want. Yeah. They, they know what they want, and they're going to go for that direction. They're not trying to steer away anywhere from that. So I get where they're coming from. The problem is, is they're getting too many directors that, too many big name character uh, directors who are too used to doing their own thing, having complete mm-hmm. creative control. Exactly. I mean, I don't disagree there because, like, Taika Waititi, Peyton Reed. Had you ever heard of those guys before their movies? Scott Derrickson. Mm-hmm. Never heard of them until now. I mean, granted, I mean now they, I mean they, 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 they don't have a lot of big name directors because some now they have they only been doing TV shows before because the Russo yeah. brothers were doing just um, TV shows before they picked up Winter Soldier and look at them now. Winter, mm-hmm. you know, Winter Soldier was a major hit. Um, Civil War, Civil War, Infinity another War. big hit, and now Infinity War, a major hit, and mm-hmm. so they came up. So I understand them. I mean, they like they came up. Um, didn't hear anything about Reed. I had to do my research about him because I was like, uh, hmm, I don't know, but okay, <laughs> I'll give it a shot. See what what happens. But I think Marvel has learned after not even before Josh uh, Josh Whedon. I would say when um, Edgar was he was the original director to do um, Ant Man. Ant Man. And there was creative differences in that, so he left, and then mm-hmm. followed suit by that. After they released Age of Ultron, you had Josh Whedon, Josh Whedon leave. So after that, you didn't really have anyone else leave off, you know, mid-production. After that, um, I don't think. Did anyone? No. <laughs> to my memory, I don't think so. No, but um. But it's just that issue. They don't really, um, or they just wanted to. They they have this plan, and they want to go for that. I, by all means, do your thing, Marvel. <laughs> do your thing. Anyone else that objects by that, I mean, you should know that. You should know this going into this whole thing once you sign. It's not. It's Seriously. Just, yeah, it's really nothing new at all. How is this so hard? Figure out what the director wants before you sign him on. Now, I've never made a movie. I don't know how this is so hard. I'm sure it is. But, like, how hard can it be to 
to figure out what the director wants before you make the movie and say, that's not what we want. Mm-hmm. Let's part ways Let's before part ways we make Before we do this thing, yeah. I, but I I don't know. I mean, it seems like they have learned their lesson now because it seems they're really picking, they're only picking up people who, who haven't really done much just yet or haven't done a lot of independent films per se on their... And at the same time, they're giving those people so much creative control. I mean, Taika Waititi. Yeah, that too. I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't no, this see. Is, you can tell this is a Taika Waititi film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Or like, I don't see where they, where the creative differences is. Like, how far of creativity differences <laughs> are you? These days, is that basically <laughs> what you're asking? Huh? How far can the director go before Marvel says no? Exactly. Yeah, I want to. What What is your limit? <laughs> what? Like, where is it that you far you want to go with this thing? Like, is it even? Isn't even even an Ant Man movie? <laughs> you know? Is it even a, a, a an Avengers movie? If you you want to go completely your route, but I, I don't know. But but again, like you said, this is something that really. Should have been put out on the table before any of you guys started this film. Or even said, yeah, we want you to direct this film. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that's been... You mentioned The Dark Knight being basically a, a crime drama and a superhero mm-hmm. movie at the same time. And mm-hmm. as opposed to Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. that was a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. That I think you're going to really enjoy. Iron Man 1, it's basically a superhero movie, right? Right. That's a pretty. What do you think Iron Man Two is? Sorry, uh, Incredible Hulk. What oh, do you think Incredible Hulk is? What do I th- when I watch Incredible Hulk, what do I think of? It's, I don't think of it as a superhero movie. Um, yeah, he's not a superhero during that. Because it's really not. Because every superhero has a villain. He doesn't have a villain until the third until, act. Until, until the third the act, act. exactly. Yeah. He's just running away from the government. It's just a. It's only a fugitive movie up until the third act. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just a fight scene. It's just one big fight scene in the third act. And yeah, it, it's to me, yeah, it's, it's not a, a real superhero movie up until the end. Yeah. Look at the way that fight scene is set up, the way it's filmed, the way it's structured, the way the way the characters complement each other. Mm-hmm. It's a kaiju movie. Yeah, baby country it's movie. Godzilla. <laughs> yeah. And that movie doesn't use the MCU's trademark superhero theme. Instead, it has these, like, these uh, these bass growls. It's very it's dark, got this yeah. Violin, ostinato, where it's doing this little bitty musical segment over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. That's the main movie. I think the reason it feels not like a superhero movie is because it doesn't use that theme. No, no, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's suspenseful. It's, um, very, it's the fugitive meets Godzilla. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It turns into Godzilla random, almost randomly. Yeah. It, it, like how, what was it? 2015, the, the latest Godzilla that came out 2015 or 2016. Uh, 2014, yeah. Yes, that is a very good example of how uh, Incredible Hulk is like the theme song to that. is It's very similar to that, that type of that style. 
And the director even said that he was trying to make a movie like the 1960s Fugitive TV show. Mm. Um, Iron Man 2. This is really weird. I don't think it's a superhero movie, actually. I don't think it's a movie. I think it's a collection of a bunch of shorts that were randomly thrown together and poorly <laughs> edited. I don't think it's a feature film. But, like, if I were to give it a genre, I'd call it a Johnny Knoxville comedy. <laughs> like Action Point or Bad Grandpa or something like that. <laughs> it's a movie about a complete jerk being a complete jerk to all of his closest friends. And it's kind of funny the whole time, and he does weird, crazy stuff until finally he learns his lesson a little bit. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's really a bad Tony Stark throughout the whole entire movie. It, it's not... It's not... And that, oh, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, that movie, the theme song, is basically the Superman march. It, it's like an homage to the Superman march, a love letter to the Superman march. He's trying so hard to be Superman <laughs> because this is Tony at his worst. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's him and his morally worst during the entire franchise. Some people say Civil War is his morally worst. I don't know. Um, I think they gave him a standard hero theme just to remind us, yeah, this guy's supposed to be the good guy. Yeah. Thor. Yeah. Do you think Thor is a superhero movie? Does it feel like a superhero movie to you? No, it's or more of a, a an adventure type movie, or a um if it's if Link or, or if Zelda was a movie with slight comedy, you that's pretty much what you're gonna get through when you if you are watch Thor movies. Are you saying that Chris Hemsworth should play Link? <laughs> You know what? For all the wrong reasons, yes, <laughs> you should. <laughs> for all the well, wrong, lose his awesome. <laughs> for the see Chris Hemsworth wearing a in that, in that outfit, yeah. For all the wrong reasons, yes. So no, you don't want Chris Hemsworth playing Link. You want Chris Hemsworth to cosplay as Link one year. Basically, just that one. Just that's all. After that, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I showed up to Thor, and I was really disappointed the whole movie. because Not not because the movie was bad. Because I, I showed up to watch a superhero movie, and I felt like I didn't get what I came for. Well, you know, it was going to Burger King, ordering a, ordering a Whopper, and getting a cheese <laughs> sandwich instead. It's like, yes, I like this, but I wanted this other thing. You know... It didn't feel at all like a superhero movie. You know, well, here's the thing... There's few characters they have um, misused in the MCU, and Thor is one of them, up until Infinity War. Thor was Thor in Infinity War. Out of all the out of his all the movies he's been, uh, Ragnarok, uh, Dark World, and the first Thor movie, Thor is not really being Thor per se. He's I don't is I didn't I, you really can't take him all that serious. Especially not the third one. It was, it was, it was just comedy left and right throughout the whole entire movie. Even in the, so you're saying it was a thorable representation of him. Yes, I think that they could have done better with him because how, because I like reading Thor books or comic books, and Thor in the comic books and Thor in the movies are completely different characters. I mean, Grant now. 
comic books now are kind of Marvel books per se are really trying to real people who just just watched the Marvel movies to read a book's well. So they're trying to make them relatable how they are in the book in the movies into the books. So now they're kind of okay. Robert Downey used to love about these characters in the comics. Mm-hmm. Is and replacing it with the things you love about the characters in the movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you want to see what you read in the books come to life, and sometimes you don't get that. I mean, you get this. They try to make them practical to uh, to audience, especially the people who just don't read these comic books at all. They're just here to watch a movie because it looks cool on that YouTube trailer they saw yesterday. You know, so. You gotta make it to you. Ha- they're basically trying to meet them halfway with their, these comic books now. So, trying to make things more relatable. Oh yeah, that's that's exactly how Iron Man in the movie. In, in the movie, he would say exactly just that, you know. Um, so, it, someone who's been reading comic books for a while now and not I mean, way before these movies came out, it, eh, it's okay. It, it's okay, but. For people who aren't or who just now getting into these things, it's, I mean, it, of course, they, they're going to like it. But, um, but going back to what I was saying, though, Thor's. The newcomers like it, but the veterans don't. Exactly. And, I mean, that's, it's a common thing when you're having novel stuff becoming movies. I've heard so many, um, gripes about, um, The Hobbit. And how there are certain things in the books aren't, of course, not in the movies. Or they added stuff that was never in the books. Um, it's, uh, I don't know. To me, like as, as a veteran, it's, you adding or taking away things makes it less enjoyable for the veterans. I mean, it, I mean there's certain things you can, okay, you can be okay with, but like the actual character itself being changed like how Thor is in the movies it's like that mm, I don't know I don't think you should I don't think it was really necessary to do what they have done in the, in the books I mean into the, what they've done in the movies um I've never thought about that yeah it's um I don't know, it's it's uh hard to explain to me all that but it's <clears throat> it's uh like you want to get what what you pretty much invested in, you know. So, after Avengers four, I like to see what their what their direction is with Thor now, because they you want to see Thor. Yeah, I want to see more of what he can do now, because how he is in Avenger or Avengers Infinity War, that's Thor. You got Thor on that. Granted, you still got a little comedy out of him, but that I mean. What we what we saw in in theaters that's that was Thor, that was actual Thor we got and using his power. You didn't really, mm-hmm. you didn't really get to see him use his his hammer. You see him doing in the in the comic books up until. I would say you know what the first five minutes of Ragnarok, you saw more usage of that hammer. Than you have in, in the entire movie, in him being in any movie. 
Age of Ultron? You yeah, just... there's a little bit of the Dark World, but not really. It's mm. more about who he is than about his hammer. Exactly. Maybe that was like the point of Ragnarok. Right. Right. And I think that was like the kickstart, okay, this is where we start in making Thor. Thor. And then, of course, in Age of Ultron, bam, you got him. There he is. He's finally, he has finally arrived in the MCU. Um, Thor and Thor's Dark World, you really didn't see all too much of that, especially not in the first one. You just saw simple stuff he was doing, just throwing it and it, you know, smashing through stuff and him, you know, waving around really fast so he can take off the fly. But full-on force making, like, you know, causing thunder. He can actually cause a thunderstorm. Well, yeah, he's the god of thunder. Yeah, he's a god of thunder. He can cause a thunderstorm without the hammer. He doesn't really need yeah. to, you know, wield up in the sky and, you know, summon a thunderstorm. He can just do it out on his own with no big deal. He is not God of Hammers. He is the Lord of Thunder. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a line right out from uh, Ragnarok. Is uh, Odin yeah. was telling him, you're, you're the God of Thunder, not the God of Hammers. So that, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, you were... It's not just that Thor doesn't feel like a superhero movie. He doesn't feel like comic Thor. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really think that... Um... I ha oh, so go ahead. I haven't read the... I haven't read comic Thor. I've read a little Fantastic Four from the 60s, but like... And a little Iron Man from the 60s, but I didn't know what Thor was like in the comics, so thank you. Yeah, oh yeah. It, 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 the Thor... Like, um... A more recent one before they changed their direction of the comic books, Jason Aaron's Thor is a pretty good run. You, I suggest you should read and get an actual taste of what what uh, Thor is all all about. Um, Thanks for the recommendation. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, some you mentioned uh, Fantastic Four. Um, the I think it was two thousand three Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um. Granted, wasn't the best movie. It wasn't all that great, but compared to the what twenty, we're all pretty sure that it's the best Fantastic Four movie that isn't The Incredibles. You said you didn't like the The Incredibles, or no, no, Fantastic Four two thousand three is the best Fantastic Four movie outside of The Incredibles. Oh, oh I got you. Sure. I got you. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, I agree. No, worries. no. Dude, nobody can dislike The Incredibles. No, the Incredibles yeah. <laughs> are the best movies of all like, time. I was like, whoa, I think I just met the first minority who doesn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, nah. So we were talking about, uh, so what were you bringing up about Fantastic Four 2003? Well, yeah, you mentioned that. It's, um, it was the best, it was the best invitation of how they are in the comic books. They're a family in the comic books. Um, the reboot they did recently is the exact opposite. In fact, they hated each other pretty much. You know, maybe the directors thought that's how families were. Uh, maybe I guess, but <laughs> to me it was just a. I don't know. That was a weird way to represent someone that's. I mean, it's supposed to be more than just it's, a team. Purpose of Marvel's first family. Yeah. Sorry, I'm interrupting you way too much. Oh no, 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 no. It's alright. Um 
I think like like you're saying, it's Marvel's first family, so they have to be a family. Like, granted, I know we argue, we fight, and all that stuff, but how they were represented as a fa- an ideal family is being a team, being one mind, uh, you know, single minded, you know, being a functional team basically, and you didn't get that in the reboot at all. And it was just not, it just didn't set right with me at all. Cause it's like, they really basically didn't really get along up until nearing the third act of the movie when it, they had no choice, but to like, okay, we got to work together to stop doom or whatever. But, um, it's, uh, a lot of disconnect in a movie with the, with the characters yeah major major disconnect versus to what we got pre prior to that like fantastic for um rise of the silver surfer you had um sue and um reed getting married yeah they were getting married so showing that that connectivity you know just showing that family in the movie what we get in the in the comic books and now getting out in the movie, it made it made it better. I mean, granted, the story plot could have been better for both movies, but I, I would watch those movies way before I watched that reboot they did recently. And here, well, fact, let's hope the next one gets better. I, well, now hearing that you know Fox bought out um, or got bought out by Marvel Studios. I don't see how they can't fit. Or something like We're still a little blurry on the exact details of what exactly happened with that whole thing. Uh, I know their stockholders approved of them, I guess. Not necessarily. Yeah. Like, they use, I guess, not necessarily they actually bought them out. It was more of a, um, yeah, like the stockholders are basically using almost like a loan almost to get the rights to um fox studios on fox movies so um how they're gonna write them in um into the into the mcu i have no idea honestly um captain midnight has some great ideas about that oh oh, yeah the the youtuber captain midnight he's got some good ideas of how to do that hmm Hmm. i have to to touch base with him about that because i'd like to know like here is now. I thought we threw in a couple ideas that, as far as like Fantastic Four, bringing them in, and would be how they're doing some of the other superheroes now. How they they're already been around, but they I guess been in hiding or something like that, or because like how Captain Marvel, she's been around because the next movie they do is Captain Marvel, and hers is like in the nineties. So it's supposed to uh-huh. explain where she's been prior to that post-credit scene of, of Infinity War. We saw that that pager that um, Fury had when he sent out the pager, you know, to bring up bring Captain Marvel in to help him out. Um, <clears throat> we, I, me and Devin were thinking that they were trapped in the negative zone. Huh. And they, I guess they, I guess whatever maybe what whatever uh thanos did when he snapped his fingers kind of just 
threw everything out of whack and brought them in or something like that um i just read um the new fantastic four book that just came out um this past wednesday which is really good it's really really good um and it has because if i'm not sure if you read the last book they were in it was uh secret wars and at the end of secret wars um they were trying to restore the universe after uh, dr doom pretty much threw everything out of whack and made himself basically a god and after they um defeated him and they had to re- you know basically restart everything and they didn't come back they send um ben Grimm and johnny storm back to earth to live out their lives but they didn't go back with them they went they stayed out in space to rebuild the universe now fast forward to now three years because they haven't been in any books till now and and Ben Grimm and um, Johnny Storm have been doing their own things, you know, tag teaming with any humans and Guardians of the Galaxy for a while. And now they're now teaming up, doing like a two, a duo thing for a little bit with um, Marvel's two in one book. But um, now on the issue one of Fantastic Four, it takes them where they're basically living out their lives. Um, Johnny still has his hope that they're still alive out there, out in space, but they can't find them. Ben kind of gave up on it. He believes that they're they're dead, and that's it. They're not coming back. Wait, are we getting into spoiler territory? Mm, a little bit, a little bit. I'm glad you said that because I'm kind of I'm just going with it right now. So, um, <laughs> but I'm sure your listeners would hate to get some spoilers for the for the. the I can't talk. It's okay. I have that problem. It's okay. <laughs> um, but I'll, before I spo- spoil it, I will say that they could use that book as a blueprint to bring them back. Making it so far as, okay, theoretically, whatever happened to, you know, to them, you know, to get their powers, Sue and Richard somehow get stuck in the, into the um, negative zone or get lost in space or whatever, but somehow Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm are the survivors of that casualty, of that that, tra- that incident. And, of course, they are trying to figure out or Johnny is still wondering where they're at and trying to find ways to get them back. Ben is kind of in hiding because of what happened to him, because he's this big rock humanoid now so he's kind of in hiding he doesn't want people to take notice of him or whatever call him a freak and all that stuff so you have that going on and i guess trying to bring them back and that movie can be, be them trying to find a way to um bring them back so they can As a, here's a really weird possibility mm-hmm. but i think work how about for a fantastic four movie basically just do Lost in space with superheroes. Hmm. Yeah. While they're out on their origin story mission, get lost. Yeah. Yeah. Go to 
and you know what? That's awesome. Do the thing that we're known for. You can make a cameo. Oh man, you can make a cameo in the next Guardian of the Galaxy movie with them in it. They're just, you know, hanging out or whatever, doing research, and they just bumped into them or whatever. Don't really have that much interaction with them, whatnot. You know, uh, Drax may bump into Ben. He's like, "Watch it, buddy." You know, and move on from there. <laughs> like, oh, there they are. They're here. They're they're around. It'll be fun. Yep. Okay, so a little while ago we were talking about how Iron Man One acts like a superhero movie. It's got the superhero theme that we were talking about a little while ago. Minor. The 135, uh, Simple Rhythms, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, they don't really feel like superhero movies. They don't use that superhero theme. Right. And if you track your way through the MCU, you realize every MCU movie that feels like a superhero movie uses this particular superhero-type theme. And no matter what style of movie they act like, they still feel like a superhero movie if they use this theme. If they don't use this theme, they don't feel like a superhero movie. They don't. It's, they're just something else. They're just, I guess, whatever the director is trying to make it seem like. Whether it's an, a, yeah, a fugitive um, movie or um, yeah, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Ant-Man, it's a heist, and they mm-hmm. wrote a theme that was basically a love letter to Mission Impossible. Captain America, the Winter Soldier, it's a political thriller. It uses basically just a theme that just means everything's going wrong. Mm-hmm. I talk more about that in the episode you've already heard about that a little bit the point is just that how powerful this theme is in our experience of these movies it's almost like the melody alone affects our entire perception of the experience yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i agree with that yeah i agree with that it's uh, crazy realizing this melody alone can do it does it does now you think about it, you wonder how much, how important is a theme song to a movie? I mean, if Darth Vader's theme had sounded anything else... Exactly, like, how, what would be, what would Empire Strike Back be without the Imperial March? Well, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, go, please, First, go ahead. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader, the Imperial March doesn't show up in Star Wars Episode Four, right? Right. Darth Vader still has a theme in Star Wars Episode Four. Hmm. Could hypothetically uh, switch out the soundtrack for Episode Five with that Darth Vader theme from Episode Four and see, okay, here's what happens. But the reason, if you want to see why exactly the Imperial March is effective, I'm not going to talk about it on my show most likely because Twelve Tone, the YouTuber, does such a good job at explaining why this, why this melody and why this ostinato and why this everything works so well so i'll just let him talk about that and if you want to see why the imperial march works and why i can see effect does go watch his video okay because i don't think i'm ever going to be able to do anything that well <laughs> i don't think i can do it better uh, but if you could i guess sum it up in a way how would you put it dude it's been a little while <laughs> okay I wish I could sum it up. I'm actually going on a binge of all of 12 Tones videos right now. But he has a lot of videos, so I'm not going to get there for a little while. Understood, understood. Sorry, man. I wish I could. I'll just let you go watch it. I will. I will. I will. I got to get – so I like to see his input on that. But, it, you know, it, but it does. I mean, 
it makes you wonder how important theme songs are. Because like I said in the beginning of this conversation, it's, it's the, it sets the atmosphere in a movie to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure how I would like... Honestly, now I'm thinking, I'm not sure how I would have liked Age of Ultron, or not Age of, excuse or Avengers, the first movie, without the theme song I had now. Like, how much of a game changer would it be if it had something different, or it wasn't that rememberable, or that impactful? Because, like, because if you look at it, I mean, that theme song itself, it's, it's in the trailers of Age of Ultron, or, um, Infinity War. And everybody got chills. Yes! With that one piano that one finger piano tone of, you know, it's slowly playing it and, and then it just like erupts all the way up to the end. And it's, it's just all over the place in that, in that trailer and all the trailers rather. And when I was going to see infinity war, like the Tuesday after it came out, sorry, my theater's cheaper on Tuesdays and I can't afford to go opening night. (laughs) (laughs) So, I show up to the theater. This is Tuesday. So, like, it, it's like four or five days after the movie's come out. As soon as the Avengers theme plays for the first time, everyone cheers. Mm. I went... <laughs> I had the same reaction because my comic book shop, they were... Um, they bought out a screening for this, yes. for an early release. Oh, man, it was awesome. I loved... I love my comic book shop, and I loved our crowd. They were awesome. Because... Um, Everybody cheered on when they were supposed to cheer, and you know, just mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. proper moments. It was it was awesome. I think that's the only proper time for to do that. Honestly, is like when you're at the midnight releases or early releases. If you're watching it, maybe five, almost a week after it's been out, and you're cheering, eh? Calm down. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's all right. It's all right. Well, but. I'm going to apologize if I ever watch a movie with you then, because <laughs> I, I see, I'm that guy. I'm sorry. Um, or at I'm least... the kind of guy who really, really respects the amount of work put into these movies. Understood. That's so understood. Like, and so, like, I, I try to pretend that the director and the director of photography and the composer and all those people are sitting there in the theater with me. And I try to pay them the respect they deserve. So, like, when the movie gets awesome, I cheer for them. And when when the credits are rolling, I stay through the entire credits just to to appreciate how much work they put in. And anytime I see somebody who did a lot of work, like uh, we were watching Ant Man and the Wasp a little while. Nope, it was Mission Impossible Fallout a little while ago. And, how is uh, that, by the way? I haven't seen that yet. Brutal and intense. It's Ooh. also a tour de force of tension. Ooh. If you like. You will love Fallout because it does Born better than Born ever will. Really? Wow. Okay. It's, it's the amnesia thing. It's a. It's really well made. It's not what I was hoping for. I was hoping for something slightly different. But what I got was well done. Just well done. Yeah. Hey. Nothing wrong with um, that. That's kind of like a Amazing Spider-Man Two. Really? To me, I didn't get what I want, but I still liked it. I still liked it. And because if you you if you watch the trailers prior to this movie, like the first two trailers, and then watch maybe the third or in the final one they did, they're totally different. 
and then watching the movie, there it's even it's even more different from what you got from the, out of those trailers. It's a whole different movie because the first trailer was kind of like they were more focused on Oscorp spying on on Peter and trying to figure out what he's all about and stuff. And uh, Electro kind of kind of plays into it a little bit or whatever. And then it just becomes in the movie it's a whole different thing. It's more of a uh, conspiracy type movie. It's a different genre. It, yeah, it's, it's a whole different genre. At, by the time the movie comes out, it's still good to me. I, I still liked it. But I'm in the minority on that one. A lot of people didn't really like Amazing Spider-Man 2. But um, I would say... Okay. Oh, go ahead. I got some bad news. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> it's not that they canceled all upcoming Marvel movies. I do keep telling my friends that as a joke. <laughs> that Infinity War and Ant-Man and the Wasp are the last two and there's never going to be another one. <laughs> the look on their face is great. Um, <laughs> don't tell me that <laughs> I gotta go in like 15 minutes I gotta do a little bit more work and then I'm heading off to a movie night to watch Infinity War again with a couple friends mm. in at a campground so that's like it'll, don't worry I'm still I'm still doing nerdy things but I do need to head out in about 15-ish minutes it's all good it's all good so what do you want to talk about in the last 15 minutes or so <sighs> well I don't like to talk to because I didn't really get to do this in the beginning of this conversation, but at least get to know you really, because um, you know sure. you. It seems you really know your music, like. Um, Thank what, you. Yeah. So, what is it you you do exactly? Okay, so you want like the life sketch about music, or do you just want what I do now about music? Um. Let's see what you do now. What what is you do now? So. I do two things with music. One is I teach people to play piano by ear by applying the music theory that they know and hate and showing them how it actually helps them to learn and how it helps them to learn their favorite songs. Mm. So a typical first lesson I'll ask, what's, what, are your, what are some of your favorite songs? Cool. Let's learn one of those right now by ear using, mus using basic, basic music theory. And then we just build and build and build and build until they become awesome pianists. That's a, such an easy way to learn piano because I look at it and I'm like, uh, I don't know, we'll know where to start right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm your guy if you need a if you need a piano teacher. Okay, all right, okay. Because I have a friend, because I have a friend, another friend of mine. He 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 was on the show, one of our early episodes. Uh, Ray, he's a piano, he's a pianist himself. Um, mm -hmm. His dad taught him. But both we know I know him since high school, and, we were, and I met him through marching band. Both of us were in the drum line together, um, and just uh, so I I'm a bit of a ba a band geek, I guess you could say a band nerd itself. So I mean I haven't played since high school, so um, but I haven't really touched an instrument since then because I played the um, I played the flute in concert band. Um, and I was a uh, bass drum and drum line as well. But uh, I have a little bit of uh, music in my blood. A little bit. Yeah, a bit of a music background, but it's not like it's a big thing in your life. It's yeah. not as big comic books or movies. Right, right, right. But for love of music, it kind of 
it kind of adapted to that. So it's because uh, I like I said, it's music. It sets a lot of moves to a lot of things, and you need that in, in watching movies. That's why I made it my fact one of my factors in watching a movie. Like I said, always the story plot, character presentation, and theme song music sets the whole atmosphere of that and this it doesn't even have to be um it doesn't have to be a um orchestrated you know like the avengers and all those guardians of the galaxy focus on other music too how they did with the um, driver uh along those lines baby driver from what i hear i haven't actually watched the movie but from what I hear, there's no original music, or at least really? they didn't plan to have any original music. It's all pop music that's, hmm. that that baby would be playing. Yeah, yeah. See, it's that way. I mean, it's just, you don't necessarily have to, as long as you can set the atmosphere right by putting a certain music, whether you, you composed it or just, you know, got a few music rights and added into the movies, because there's few songs like um i got a feeling and guardians galaxy everybody knows that and when you hear that song you think of the movie and there's other songs on there that catch on i mean that you like to hear you'll probably sing to but um uh black panther it's they did a mixture of it too and um you had a little bit of um i think kendrick lamar did the soundtrack to the movie um think he composed or produced it at least um and you can hear it through killmonger's character when he's yeah. walking when he's walking to this to the throne at the um at he knocked off um jachala off as as um king of wakanda you hear that song. i remember that's i remember that song before i remember the orchestrated version you hear when um it was the part when they make it back to Wakanda when they're flying into yeah. um, into uh, the city. Yeah. Yeah. So it, okay, I'm gonna be really weird about this. I had forgotten that there are songs in Black Panther. I just completely forgotten. I didn't. No. <laughs> I I'm trusting you on this one. Um, I, I remember the scene very very well. I just completely forgotten that Kendrick Lamar did anything with it, and then they're like, "Oh yeah, they put out an entire album." Wait, were any of those songs actually in the movie? I don't remember. There were, like, it was the Kill Margaret song, that one, that one. You didn't hear. And I don't Sorry, think you... I song, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that one with the with the flute and with the 808 and with yes. and with the Bach line." Song Exploder did an episode about it, and then I'm like, "Nope, nope, 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 nope." That's not the one he's talking about. He's talking about the Kendrick Lamar song, not the Killmonger <laughs> theme that Ludwig Orange was. But he did that one, um, and there was the end credit scene, or the end credit um, song. He he did that one as well. But um, I know he did an album. I, it was separate, I guess, from the movie as well. I mean, some of the other songs you don't really get to hear no wait, I lied. I'm sorry. Yeah, there know. is, there actually is another song. It was in the fight scene at the casino. That, I believe, that song was part of the album. He did that song too. It's with um, the weekend. And I'm trying to remember the name of that song. Um, but it's right when they they um enter the casino. You hear that song as they walking through the casino. 
Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I completely forgot about this. I kind of just assumed it was all orchestral <laughs> and uh, and trap music. Speaking of which, okay, cool thing. The composer for Black Panther, Ludwig Göransson. Mm-hmm. Before he was a composer, he was a trap music producer. Hmm. And now, while he's still a composer, he's working as Childish Gambino's producer. Wow. He knows beat making a lot better than you might think, which is part of why the Black Panther score worked so well. So that he could <laughs> well, yeah. beat making and uh, African flutes. I wish I could find a word for African flutes that started with a B. I'm not sure. I, can, I know what you're talking about, but I don't know the actual term, name of it. Um, it's not coming to me. But I. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, but it. Uh, it's. I'll put it this way. It's not that. The heroes theme song was so was so great, but it was the villains theme song. And Killmonger's theme song to me is more memorable than Black Panther's theme song. Let's be honest, Killmonger is what everybody was talking about with that movie. Yes, Michael B. Jordan killed it. I don't know what it is about playing Human was that Torch, but apparently that like revives you and makes you into a better better character for other superhero movies because <laughs> Chris Evans played the original Human Torch and look at him now mm-hmm. as Captain America I don't see anybody else playing Captain America now except way back when yeah and man that was awful yeah <laughs> at first I didn't think he was ever going to play a superhero movie ever but now here he is you know 10 years later Scott Pilgrim Oh my god. That was weird. It was good. It was, it was good. Weird. It was good, but I forgot he actually was in that movie. Holy crap. Yeah, he's Evil X number three. He's yes. the actor. Yeah. Well, his superpower is I'm Chris Evans. I'm an actor. <laughs> that is my superpower. <laughs> Holy crap. I forgot about him. Oh my god. I forgot he was on that one. So, um, on the one hand, you were asking about what I do with music. On the one hand, I teach piano by ear. Happy to help. Um, I Yeah, I, I teach over Skype and in person anyway. I should stop advertising for myself there. And I run a podcast and soon-to-be YouTube series called Song Appeal, where every episode we dive into the music theory and the music psychology behind why we like, the, why we like a specific song. Right now, it's a podcast. It's on hiatus. I'm it's going to relaunch it the first week of September as a podcast and YouTube series. Awesome. Awesome. You actually, cause I'll, that was my next thing. Actually throw out a little plug there to that for people to follow you here. And you're, you beat me to the punch. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't see you have a website too, or is that still? Under- yeah. The website is songappealofficial.com. It sends people straight to every podcast episode okay. and a couple. And I'm, fixing the website a little bit pretty soon you're going to be able to find any interviews i've ever done like this one's going on the website awesome awesome well, a link to this one is going on the website so that people can hear your podcast and hear this discussion all right then all right uh hunter it's been an honor hope to maybe hope in future episodes have you back on man uh, it's been an honor talking well, to you, you man thanks a lot ron all right have a good night you too. Have a great night. Bye. Okay, in my last segment, I mentioned about Fantastic Four number one, and um, just using an example for how they could come into the MCU. 
but I want to talk about the book a little more. Um, just express how awesome this read was. Um, it's it's just it was just a fun book from first page to the last. Um, you have Dan Slott doing all three separate stories, but he had three different artists. Um, the first one was uh, Signal in the Sky, um, and he the art was done by Sarah Pacelli, and she's supposed to be doing the art for the rest of the books along with Dan Slott but um oh my god I, I just loved this book especially Signal in the Sky story was just fantastic and as I mentioned before that first story could be the blueprint into how they do how they introduced Fantastic Four in the, in the uh, MCU maybe maybe if they wanted to but um yeah it's it's just a fun book man uh also awesome read i loved how he wrote uh dr doom in this book he's back to his former glory just being just dr doom man <laughs> he's back not trying to portray any other people not trying to be iron man he's being dr doom and i loved it um third story was what the pop it was basically just a um a uh, post-credit scene i guess with mr impossible man and he's just basically reading fantastic four along with us and he's just like i can't believe i just read this whole book and fantastic four is not even back yet you know <laughs> spoiler alert but um uh but it's it's a fun read. If you haven't picked up Fantastic Four yet, please do so. Put it in your pull list because I'm going to because this I'm all I'm on board on this book. Just reading the first book, Dan Slott's gonna smash this book. Whatever he's got planned for, it's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to read the rest of this arc, man. It's it's just a a fun read. So yeah, pick it up, guys. You'd be glad you did. So, as we know, tomorrow is New Comic Book Day. If you didn't, shame on you. Shame. Shame. But I forgive you. <laughs> so, for the books that's coming out for Marvel and DC, uh, for Marvel, we have Spider-Man, Spider-Geddon, number one, Extermination, number one, and for you New Age comic book readers, a digital exclusive Luke Cage, number one, Astonishing X-Men, number one, a lot of number ones coming out for Marvel. Uh, Cable and Deadpool, annual number one. And Infinity Wars, number two. And if you're not reading that, again, shame on you. <laughs> but I still forgive you. But definitely, guys, pick up that one. Uh, Infinity Wars, issue two, comes out tomorrow. Uh, Star Wars, Beckett. Deadpool, Assassin, number five. Doctor Strange, number four. Hunt for Wolverine tie-in, Claws of a Killer, number four. Multiple Man, number three. Spectacular Spider-Man, issue 308. Star Wars, Poe Dameron, number 30. Thor, number four. That rhymed in that. Yeah, it rhymed. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Ha! <laughs> Tony Stark, 
Iron Man number three. Weapon H number six. Weapon X number 22. And for DC Comics, we have Aquaman number 39. Batgirl number 25. Batman number 53. Batwoman number 18. A lot of bat, whole bat families coming out tomorrow, man, pretty much. Uh, damage number eight green lantern number 53 harley quinn number 48 injustice number 32 justice league number six new challengers number four pearl number one and wildstorm number 16 so geeks get yourself ready for tomorrow tomorrow guys because it's some pretty good books coming out for both ends really yeah so hope you got your pull list ready and get ready to some get some good reading going on and let me know what you like what what books i should try out all right deal deal all right that's it i'm done i'm done for today guys that's it i'm all geeked out and just again i want to say Thank you for listening, and thank you for uh, Hunter for stopping by on our show to talk about the uh, theme songs of the MCU and just how important theme songs are for superhero movies or just movies in general. You know, it was a fun, awesome topic, and hope to have him on the show again on, in the later episodes. Um, so. If you enjoyed listening to today's topic and would like to give us feedback, you can send us a message through email to mailusgeek at gmail.com. Send a tweet to at ego podcast or a direct message on Instagram to ego podcast. And if you'd like to get more involved with these awesome conversations, join us on our Facebook group extremely geeked out community all right all right so till next time guys peace